you are the podcast master. What's up, everybody? Come on in. Sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Matt West Now podcast. Glad to have you listening here this week. Uh, a little bit of a delay in bringing this episode to you, as you might already have gathered in my voice. Been fighting, uh, been fighting some issues, so been kind of trying to take it as easy as I possibly could on the the vocals, trying to get my voice back and, and trying to keep it strong. It's a crazy busy run here between uh, you know the the end of August and the end of September. Just gets so busy with. You know, a couple extra touring pros in the middle and uh, flying back and forth across the country. It's just a busy time of year, but busy is good. Uh, Speaking of good, every once in a while, you have to do something good for yourself. That uh, is kind of the, the premise behind this opening of this episode, because this episode this week is with the patriotic voice of the PBR, Ryan Weaver. Many of you know Ryan, from being at PBR events in 2017, 2018, a few this season as well. And you would think, well, Matt and Ryan could just sit down at a PBR, do this podcast. And that has been the plan multiple times. We've actually been planning this podcast uh, quite a while. But believe it or not, uh, Ryan and I ended up doing this podcast on a beach in Florida. Let me circle back to what I said a minute ago about you got to do something good for yourself. Uh, a couple of days ago on a Tuesday morning at 11.30 a.m., I just decided to book a random flight to Florida, and uh, that flight was at 4 o'clock that afternoon. So at 11.30 a.m., I book a 4 o'clock flight to Tampa, Florida. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. One, my favorite gym was closing down, changing locations, and uh, switching owners there on Clearwater Beach, which is actually kind of a little island out away from everybody. Small, awesome little community. If you've never been, stay away because I want to keep it to myself. It's a, a beautiful place, but in all honesty, it's it's amazing. So I wanted to go out there and you know work out in the old gym one more time that week. And honestly, I just wanted to get away, kind of hit the reset button. It's been a long year and I thought, you know what, that'd be a good way to just get out there, be next to the water on the beach and uh, you know, see some old friends and everything. So I did that. And as soon as I hit uh, purchase on my flight, I got the craziest feeling of guilt. And I posted about this on Instagram uh, when it was happening or, or right after it happened, actually. So I got this crazy feeling of guilt that came over me. And from 1130 that morning until about 1130 midnight that night, until I actually got to my room and heard the waves hitting the beach. I felt so incredibly guilty about doing something for myself, which is wild because I constantly tell other people, you got to do something for you. You got to get in the gym. You got to make yourself feel better. You've got to put some time aside for you, but I wasn't taking my own advice. And so um, thanks to a little prodding from you know some family and friends, I, I just did it. And I Took a whim trip to Florida. Just so happens that Ryan Weaver actually was at Clearwater Beach with his wife who was on a work trip. So this week's episode actually recorded in Clearwater Beach, Florida, and uh, I had a great time. Ryan Weaver is an incredible guy with an incredible story, and if you don't know about it, we're going to dive into it here in this episode of the podcast. I really thought we would keep it lighthearted and jovial and talk about you know, just being goofy the way the last few episodes of the podcast had been. But 
his story is so moving and uh, he's so passionate about his service in the military and his family and you get to hear all of that in this episode. Yeah, we have a little fun, obviously. That's important too. So it's um, it's an episode that I'm, I'm really extremely happy with and I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you take something from it. I hope you, um, if nothing else, I hope that you learn or remember rather that Life is precious, man. Life is precious, and life is so good. Every day we have is an amazing day. So I hope you guys are having a great day. Hope you're having a great week. Do something for yourselves, and uh, while you're at it, do something for somebody else, like subscribe to this podcast or give it a five-star rating. Maybe even drop a comment there wherever you get your podcast. Hit me up and let me know what you think. As always, I'm constantly begging you for feedback on this podcast because at the end of the day, these are all about the consumer. I want to do what you guys want to hear. And I know that there's a guest list that's a mile long, but I want to keep hearing about it. I want to keep trying to get those guests on here and uh, you know tell their stories, have some fun, and uh, make this podcast better and better every week. So that being said, one of the things I'm going to do to make it better is shut up and get to this episode. So, this is my conversation with the patriotic voice of the PBR and military combat veteran, Ryan Weaver. This place doesn't suck no. at all. Uh, a great view, man. It's it's not bad, man. And I was just sitting here telling you, like, I don't belong in a place like this. I don't belong. Sure like, you do. When I grew up, I wasn't supposed to be sitting at the ocean watching the sunset. You know, in a room like this that has a balcony that overlooks, it's just crazy. Crazy. Well, you can't say you haven't worked for it. No, but I mean, like there's people that work their whole, work their whole life, work their asses off and never mm-hmm. even see the ocean. Um, we'll, we'll get into a lot of things here in this, mm-hmm. uh, but let's talk about this because wait a minute, I want to talk about, we're literally walking down this beach that you have a lot of history with and you get a phone call. And so like you might be going to Australia for the first time. Yeah, it's going to be pretty killer uh, if it all works out, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and my all my toes, and everything, and uh, to get over there for the grand finals uh, to perform at the PBR over there in Australia, and then a couple of events afterwards. But you've never been. You've never been to Australia. Never been to Australia. It's crazy because you like you've probably been all over the world. Where have you been? I was stationed in Germany, stationed all over the United States. Obviously, Iraq, been to Korea. Um, I think that. Uh, I mean, everywhere in Europe, I traveled when I was stationed there for a couple of years. I was traveling all over the country there, so getting other countries there. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that in a little bit. I want to talk about this beach because it's so random that we just uh, we kind of ended up at the same place at the same time. Um, actually, you know what? Based no, off a of conversation, let's, let's change let's change the whole scenario, and we'll say that I I flew all the way to Florida just to do this podcast with you. That's what we'll say. That well, that that was a conversation um, we had. In we Nashville. did. We talked about it, and it was random because I wanted to do this. I wanted to try to do it Sunday, but you had to leave, and you just randomly said, "No, oh, I'm going to be in Clearwater." Yep. yep. We were talking about it at the uh, the Bull Way in. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to be doing the show. They initially, I think Nashville was Friday, Saturday, and then they moved it to Saturday, Sunday. And um, anyway, I had a performance Sunday on the plaza for their mm-hmm. tailgate party, and I had to fly out, right? I mean, fly out as soon as I got done. So, But yeah, I said, I'm, I'm heading down to Clearwater. And you said, wait a second, I was just thinking about going down. Yeah. 
Uh, and I do every year. Like I try to, I try to find a time where I can just sneak away for a couple of days. There's something about this place. Oh, it's I think everybody, magical, dude. Everybody kind of has those places or those things in life where it's just like that's your escape. Mm-hmm. Like this beach is, it, it immediately puts me in a good mood, and I'm typically a cranky. It's hard to stay bitch. in a bad mood here. It is. It, it really is. So, anyways, um, yeah, I, I talked myself out of it a lot, and then on. Tuesday at 11.30 a.m., I decided to book a flight, got on a 4 o'clock plane, and and so here we are. But I want to go back because this is a place, when you said Clearwater, it's not typically a place that a lot of people talk about. Right. It's kind of a hidden little gem, or maybe not as hidden as it used to be, but you grew up around here. Yeah, about an hour north, hour and a half north of here in Inverness, Citrus County, about 50 miles west of Orlando, so pretty much right in the middle of the state, but you know, we'd come down here in the summertime. I uh, spent the last week before I went in the military, uh, actually the last summer, but the last week before I went in the military, my brother came down from Fort Benning in the Ranger Regiment, and we got to spend the last week uh, of my civilian life before the military with my brother. So, okay, we got to come... We, I got to make you dive into that story a little bit. So you came here, and you got to tell the whole Maverick and Goose part. Oh goodness! Well, we were. I was here for the whole summer by myself, really, and I had a motorcycle back then. And essentially, I had graduation money. Came down to stay with my aunt, and would travel f- uh, from Bel Air, which is just across the bridge over there, uh, to the beach every morning. Get on the get on the net, start practicing serving, and. For volleyball and I wasn't always that gr- I wasn't that great but anyway but Aaron came down and uh, for those of you listening uh, if you've watched my never forgotten tribute video uh, with the PBR that we uh, played at every arena and I think the velocity tour played it in their arenas too but uh, my brother that was honored uh, in that video Aaron uh, when he was killed in action 2004 um, all these memories and everything, especially Clearwater Beach, it was the one of the greatest summers of my life, one of the greatest times of my life. And he was, he looked so much like Tom Cruise, it was ridiculous. And I was, poor guy. yeah, poor guy. He's just, uh, anyway, but uh, so he was Maverick and I was Goose. And um, we have a song that I wrote on the 10th anniversary, and it's been on, it's on a couple of documentaries where he it says, Maverick and Goose acting cool in the heat, blue skies above in the world on our feet, and I followed you. Um, yeah. And, this I was just showing you, you know, you mm-hmm. folks that are listening. I was just showing you where the nets were, and you know, we see these these parts of our lives that really are these moments that you you're never going to get them back, obviously, because they're memories. But they're also those those moments that you cherish when something like that happens, you know. But walking down the beach, it's you know, they're going to get to hang out with you, and we got to talk a little bit about stuff that matters, you know. Right. Well, and, and I kind of envy you in the sense that we all take little walks down memory lane, but being involved in music, mm-hmm. it's it's like you get a chance to help other people relive things that are really special. Well, it's, it, I th- think one of the most important things that we got to do last year, you know, I mean, to digress on something that was a huge moment, obviously me mm-hmm. debuting with the PBR at the World Finals and being able to tell Aaron's story and talk about... Uh, you know, the sacrifice, his sacrifice and Randy, my brother-in-law sacrifice mm-hmm. and, but being able to tell their story, but also honoring other folks in that same regard, but the music being able to change people's lives. And I can't tell you the number of messages that I've gotten from folks that were at the event that, you know, lost somebody or they may have not been in a great spot and got to see that right. you can overcome 
that hardship and, and find success like I was doing with the PBR. I kind of wanted to keep it lighthearted, but I feel like we've we've got to kind of dive into it a little bit. You, you've mentioned Aaron several times. You just mentioned Randy. For people that might not know, kind of give them the, the version of the story. So in Iraq, uh, my brother and I were, he's, uh, he's older than you. He's a year and nine months older than me. We actually, uh, my oldest brother, Steve, um, we we're all aviators in the Army. They flew Kiowa Warriors. I flew Blackhawks. But uh, uh, when I graduated flight school, we were the first three warrant officers to ever fly in the Army as brothers at the same time, which was kind of cool. So cool, man. Yeah. and um, But he, Aaron and I were deployed together in Iraq. He was actually a cancer survivor and was non-deployable. He, he got really? a waiver. Yep. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He got a waiver to be deployed because he didn't want to be left behind he was in the in somali in the ambush in mogadishu that black hawk down was made after he was one of the only he was the only non-commissioned officer or sergeants uh, that didn't get shot in that whole thing which was kind of crazy and he survived one of the bloodiest wars and you know battles not wars but battles that we've fought in that really changed the way that we fight wars now but all that aside <clears throat> he was there but he had to get bi-monthly blood screenings for his cancer to make sure that it didn't come back because it was an aggressive form of cancer um and he was in the back of a medevac helicopter flying to one of those blood screenings when he w- when it was shot down and killed everyone on board and i had done singing competitions and karaoke competitions and stuff in flight school to help me pay my bills and this was before obviously i was deployed to iraq as a aviator um it, and i was winning which and so i started into music later in life. I didn't even start. I didn't. I don't have the. You typical, didn't grow up singing in church. No, I didn't. Ha- I right. didn't have the typical. I played guitar and did all this stuff when I was a kid. I mean, I did some pro- plays and performances and stuff like that, but it was never anything serious. And I started winning, and I loved it. I, I mean, not just the winning, but the performance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sakes, I was winning, saving, singing, save a horse, ride a cowboy. <laughs> it's not necessarily nobody a, should ever win anything yeah. ever well, anywhere. It helped me. That, that, song. that song helped me pay some bills. I'm gonna tell you that That's right so now. Awesome. But it was a perform the performance side of it, you know. Right. Um. Anyway, it's gotta be then, fun. Yeah, absolutely. But then we, I went over to uh, to Iraq and started writing over there. And then Aaron died, and I came back, and I, I just decided at that point I had been letting my life passed me by and I was chasing or was falling in his footsteps and my brother's Steve's footsteps. Um, and for the first time I didn't have his footsteps to follow in anymore. So I had to choose a path of my own and, uh, started going after the music full, full on. And then, um, got out of the military in 2012, moved up to Nashville. And, uh, when about a year after that, which was December 17th of 2013, my brother-in-law, Randy, was flying in Afghanistan and his Black Hawk was shot down uh, well, by a ground improvised explosive device. Um, and he was killed in action. So uh, folks out there here, Gold Star families, being a one-time Gold right. Star family is extremely rare. To be a two-time Gold Star family, I mean, there are, there are very, very few families out there that have two, two killed in action. So, And you had, you had a brother and a brother-in-law both in, in super similar situations. Yeah. I mean, Randy was flying in uh, a reconnaissance mission in, in Afghanistan uh, for a, a radio tower, but Aaron was in, a passenger in the back of that medevac helicopter. I think that, it, you know, if there was anything that I'm sure he's 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 still upset about was the fact that he wasn't flying. <laughs> right. <laughs> when somebody it, else had control. He was in the back of a helicopter that his little brother flew, you know. Yeah. So, because um, he was gung-ho and, and, I mean, he was just an American superhero. And, and, and that was one of the things, not to get off on some crazy tangent, but a lot of the folks that when it happened, it affected so many people in the unit because they said if it can happen to that to him because of what he'd been through and the kind of survivor he was, 
if it can happen to him, it can happen to any any of them. And that's what I was going to say because I mean, you're talking about a guy that's surviving cancer, that's mm-hmm. kicking cancer's ass. Oh, Somalia, and still in the middle of of fighting cancer, is over there, you know, protecting all of us. Yeah. Like, you know how like r- rare form of special that is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's an all American superhero, and and you know he's uh, he was highly regarded by everybody that knew him. Uh, he was a good good man. He was a good person. Yeah. Um, but he also believed 100% in what he was doing. And I don't, there are very few things that I would say without caution, um, when it came to him sacrificing himself, but I would say without caution that he, he, with exception to not being in the front of the helicopter, he died, he died doing what he felt was the right thing to do. Don't like, I say this about Mason, Mm -hmm. um, and this, some people are going to take this really wrong the way that I say it, but it's almost like how lucky is a, a is a person to go out doing something special, like doing something they love, doing something that makes them feel a certain sense of pride that most of us will go our whole life without feeling. Like absolutely, it, it's and and somebody's going to say, "Man, that sounds morbid," but man, that's a lucky way to. I mean, I, I, I just, think that every single person, you know, wants to make an impact on, on other people's lives. And if, I mean, should want to make an impact on other people's to. lives. And and to be able to do what you love all the way up until the end, I mean, obviously, if, if we could all live that life, I think it, it would be. So I get absolutely. And what you're saying is not coming from a bad place. It's coming right. from a very, you know, it's coming from a genuine spot. So I don't think anybody listening to this is going to take that badly. Um, and who knows, there might not be anybody listening to this. <laughs> um, how long were you in? Almost 21 years. Almost 21 years? Yeah, almost 21. Because 20 years, I, eight months, and seven days. I'd tell you how many hours if I remembered when I raised my Really? Hand. Yeah. That's a long yeah, time. Yeah. So I have a retirement check coming in. I hate to say I'm retired because I retired at 39. I mean, I, I you know, No kidding. Yeah, I didn't. So it's it's not like a... So you so went in you, like 18 in... Yeah, Let's straight go. out of high school. Straight out of high school, yeah. And then I went through the military intelligence ranks, and I uh, was military intelligence when I first came in, and then I transitioned over to becoming a, uh, to be a warrant officer and fly. So that's really... I mean, you can do that in the military, or in the Army anyway. Right. It's kind of cool. So do you have any idea how many like miles you flew or how many hours you flew? I, I, I lost track of it a long time ago. Quite honestly, I, um, uh, my aviation career was much shorter than, than my military intelligence career was. Uh, it took me two years after Aaron died to even look at a Blackhawk. Um, and I've never, I've sat in one since then, but I've never, uh, flown. I, I mean, I flew the day Aaron died in Iraq. I was in Iraq flying the day he died. Um, that's the last time I flew a Blackhawk. I've flown a couple other smaller helicopters since then, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I, cause you get used to the sounds, you know, what a, what a Blackhawk sounds like, what an Apache sounds like. And then I got restationed to Fort Rucker, which is the home of army aviation. It's where you learn to fly. I got restationed back there. So the helicopters are flying over all, I mean all the time and I would I could look at other helicopters when I but if I knew it was a Blackhawk it took me two years to even look up in the sky when everybody deals with it differently you know you said you flew that day did you know when you started flying that day or no, or no? okay I, I actually um to make a long story short I flew in the daytime and then the next day I was supposed to fly at night so I had to fly that day, stay up all night so I could sleep the next day and then fly the next night because you got to right, cross over. Right. Um, and that was January uh, January 8th. And 
I got done with the, uh, the flight that I flew uh, that day and we walked into our company C- company command post and we had Fox News on one of the televisions and it said Blackhawk shot down west of Baghdad. And no information. That's all it said. It was the head- headline, Blackhawk down. Interestingly enough, um, that he had survived Black- the actual, you know, the what the movie was made after the event Blackhawk down in Somalia and then the headlines were Blackhawk down. Um, and my crew chief dropped all his gear. He said, my, man, my parents think I'm dead right now because they all know you're flying where we're roundabouts where we're flying. Right. Anyway. So, um, uh, I told him, Hey man, you know, get on, get on the computer because we had a internet, they had set up an internet cafe as they called it. Like six, what year is this? This was 2003, 2004. Okay. So 2004 yeah. was when it things happened. are way different yeah. than technologically yeah, than they are now. Now you now they're on their cell phones. Right. So it is, but we had computers and internet cafe and all that kind of stuff essentially set up. And, and I said, just get on, get on and tell you, you know, talk to your parents and let them know you're okay and everything's good. And I had no idea that, uh, so I got on a, on a, a computer and was on with my mom and, and she said, she said, oh, I'm glad I'm, I saw you log in. They just they just announced on the television that it was a medevac helicopter. And I know you don't fly medevac. So um, it's almost like a sigh of relief. Yeah. She, yeah. And so then I, I got off the Internet with her off Yahoo Instant Messenger. <laughs> yeah. And um, back in the day. But and they showed up at her door 15 minutes after that. Um, and I went to sleep. Um I remember it like it was yesterday. I got woken up at eight thirty three in the morning, um, and I had to walk over to the company commander's tent, and he read the Red Cross message uh, that Aaron had been killed, and um, then I had to call my parents, and it was horrible. It was it was the that was the worst day of my life by far. I had never, and and it still is the worst day of my life that I've ever had. And then when I found out about Randy, it was very similar, but it, I mean, as far as the feelings were concerned, but, um, it was like we were going, our family had to go through it all over again. Right. But yeah, I mean, then I had to fly back from, from Iraq, uh, straight out through Kuwait and, um, and then into Spain and over to New Jersey, then down to Florida. And as soon as I showed up in Tampa, there were a hundred news cameras at the airport because my brother was one of the first killed in action from the state of Florida. Um, and he was the first killed in my county uh, since World War II. So we didn't even lose anybody in Vietnam in our, in our county. Um, so it was all new. I mean, it was, right. it was all, it was back when, you know, nowadays it's like you see our military service members are, they're, they're still being killed in action over there. And it's a, it's a blip. And for, I mean, my, my brothers was all over ABC nightly news. I mean, it was, a, it was a big deal. Um, but anyway, it was life changing, man. It was life changing. How do you deal with that? I mean, like, like music 2003. Yeah. You got to find a way. I mean, for me, um, I came. I was restationed uh, to Fort Rucker and became attack officer, t- training, advising, counseling officer, which essentially was is like Lewis Gossip Jr. and officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Um, they they called me the Tasmanian Devil, but essentially, I looked at every candidate that was coming out of that program as someone who was going to be taking Aaron's seat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big and, shoes to fill. Yeah, and but I mean, I. I wanted them to know how much it mattered, uh, what they were, what they were about to do and how much it it matters. And, um, so I was extremely passionate about it, but also was in a, in a very, very big hole, um, that I had dug myself out of when I started doing music because I made a promise to myself at the beginning of it all that I would never get on stage without telling their story. And, and I've played the Bluebird Cafe and I've played, 
Madison Square Garden and right. and the Grand Ole Opry, and I've been able to tell their story every time I've been on stage. Isn't that like okay? Again, in the same token as as I said it earlier about you know being fortunate. How lucky are you? Because you have got to tell that story in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, uh, in front of 46,000 people at AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. Uh, I mean, all over the world in the most historical venue. You mentioned the Bluebird Cafe, the Grand Ole Opry. That picture is legendary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people that try to do what you do don't even get a sniff in that direction. Right. I mean, I've been... I can I can say that there are so many things on top of incessantly hard work and never giving up on on what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Just like you, man. Yeah. I mean, it's you and I had this conversation earlier. It was just it's hard work and dedication to it, but it obviously has a lot to do with my circumstance and taking the cards that I was dealt um, and trying to never stray from my message and stray from the genuine story um, that's. Uh, you know that that we have with my, with Aaron and Randy, and but not just that, but the American dream and being able to chase it because of those sacrifices and not 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 straying from that. But you're right. I mean, a luck luck has a lot to do with it because the right people. Sean Gleason was sitting in that front row when I was discovered by him, and and okay, <laughs> Colorado so, Springs. So you've kind of you and I have talked about this before, and you, you mentioned it a minute ago about going from like karaoke contests and singing in like bars, and all of a sudden, and then tell me this because I think this is a question that like PBR fans and we're, we'll get away from music, PBR or military, all that here in a minute. But PBR fans, I think, ask the question a lot: like, how did we get Ryan Weaver? How did we find him? And it's a crazy story. Where did he come from? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I did a veterans event in uh, Colorado Springs uh, called Freedom Fest. And a lot of the folks that are listening know when Warrant came into the scene, I was actually at the same show. She's my cherry pie. Yep. I think that's yep. all I can sing. I think that. I'll just stay here and drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that we were at the same show and I opened for Doc and Warrant and Jack Russell's Great White as a country music artist. And Sean Glees, or the PBR was one of the primary sponsors for the veterans event, obviously because the PBR is immensely supportive of our heroes. Um, and <laughs> it's actually kind of an interesting story because they brought my whole band out, flew my whole band out, gave us a rock star treatment. We had our own bus or RV, nice RV, all that stuff. Same thing as every other band that was out there. And I was in the, the motorcycle ride that they had and came back and they had several local local bands that were playing, uh, and they ran a little bit of overtime. And I was the only veteran in the lineup, the whole lineup for a veterans event. And <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> we're sitting on stage, and they gave me. I had a forty five minute set. We're sitting on stage, and I'm three songs into it, and Dawkins' manager comes on stage and says, "You guys are done. Get the oh, beep beep off stage." Really. Yeah, and he said it to Craig. He didn't say it to me because I was on the front of the stage singing. Craig, my acoustic guitar player. Um, and then he tells Trey, my bass player at the time, who's in my, both these guys are my burn music video if you guys go watch it. But um, anyway, he's he tells Trey, and Trey almost, the guy won't leave the stage in the middle of my show. This is while I'm performing. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, and he said, Doc and will not start late. Your set's done. And so I I turned around. I found out all this stuff happened. And I got in that microphone and told them 
what I thought and a lot of colorful adjectives. <laughs> and, um, and Sean was sitting in the front row and finished out my set. Um, he came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I work with the PBR. Didn't even, I had no idea who he was. Um, I work with the PBR. We got some things planned. I'd love for you to get involved. And uh, he gave me his card, and I was signing autographs and stuff off to the side of the stage. And I said, thank you very much. I've always, I mean, I've heard amazing things about the PBR, and I'd never been to one. And I, I knew what it was about. I had seen it on television. I knew the show, you know, all that stuff. So he, he came up and got some merchandise and whatnot, signed some stuff. And, and I went back to the bus, and I saw it was the CEO of the PBR. And I'm like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. So I went out there, and I said, you know, I apologize. I didn't know who you were. And he's like, he, and he said, Ryan, I want to tell you something. You make every single person that you talk to feel like they're the most important person in the world. You treat everybody as if the, the, you deserve their time, not they deserve your time. That's the old Garth Brooks MO, man. Right. That's how he did. That's, he still does. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, and, and he said, and we've got some great, we've got some plans for the Celebrate America campaign and I'd really love to get you involved in it. Um, I've got ideas on how we can use, um, your talents, um, and then be able to tell your story. Um, because I told the story, my story about Aaron and Randy, um, and, uh, you know, it took us a little bit of time to get the album together. When Varble uh, produced the album, I co-wrote one of the songs on there that we were never allowed to play live. What? <laughs> I played it at the World Finals. Get up. Oh, okay. Couldn't play it in the arenas because it was, you know. But all that aside, it, there's nothing bad about the song. It's just talking about standing for the national anthem, like, because Shorty. you're supposed to. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, no bullshit. <laughs> I'm saying this. As an American, you're supposed to, st- not even for the national anthem. Anytime, anytime you see the flag, it doesn't really matter. It's a respect thing, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. But anyway, because of this, we stand, we stand United Pledge and, you know, that, yeah. that thing. Um, so it really fit in with it. And when and I actually wrote that at his house on his little fishing pond. He has a little cabin out there. Cool guy. Oh, he's a great guy. Super nice. One of the most talented people and songwriters, but just a kind person. But anyway, so he produced it. We did it in Legend Studio. I actually sang that album on The High Women, Johnny Cash's last last uh, microphone that he used for his last album. Really? I sang that album on, on that microphone. You look at things the same way I do. Like, that's awesome. Oh, it's incredible. I was in the gym today lifting the same weights that Hulk Hogan lifts. Like, little with, things like with that. With Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I wasn't. Gonna, with, yeah, let me. I'm going to go Let there. me reach over and drop. Let me yeah, get that name. I'll drop, uh, that, I'll drop that name for you. Yeah, I got to work out with Hulk Hogan again today. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that just happened. So, anyways, um, but no, that's cool. Like, yeah. Like, to say, okay, I sang in the same mic that Johnny Cash sang in, too. I mean, uh, to be in Legend Studio where they recorded their it's last nuts. album. I mean, it's nobody does that shit. Nobody, not an independent artist with no record deal, with no management, no nothing. And I'm I'm perform or doing this album in Legend Studio. And I mean, I yeah, just the stories that I've I've been able to to tell about the coolness behind it. But one thing that I can say this is that once I got introduced to the PBR, the fans really responded. But I also know that. You know the I I got to hear, you know the the opinions about Steven Tyler being involved with the PBR and and you know the other things like that and him you know that kind of stuff. I got to hear all those opinions, and I just wanted everyone to give me a chance. Right. I yep. just wanted everyone to to let me be let me be me, and you see, you'll see what I'm about, and you'll see that I'm just as PBR or in the Western culture. I didn't grow up in the Western culture. I grew up in the Southeast. I picked watermelons as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in a different, a different, whole different 
culture than the Western culture, but I was eager to learn as much as possible, as quickly as possible, and also become part of it if I was going to be a representative for an organization as big as the PBR. You you had a curiosity. Like you were curious about it. And that's what Keith Ryan Cartwright and myself, we talked about on the last episode of this podcast was was being curious and and wanting that information, wanting to know more. It's fascinating. And and it comes from it comes from a passion. Like if you if you get passionate about anything, like I love music. Mm -hmm. I love music. So I grew up and there's videos floating around from when I was a kid. I would have, I think it was maybe a TV antenna or maybe even a plunger, and I would hold like this broom and I play guitar and shit. I was George Strait. There like, you go, I was singing the fireman. I, I I envy you because to be on stage and to be entertaining and singing that that's number one or number two in my book. It's a rush, and man. To be able to to write songs like I, I wanted to be a songwriter, right? You know. I just don't have it. I'm I'm not intelligent enough to actually. I think I've got a. I'm gonna a tell you right Pretty now, heavy that. case of ADD. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I could because I listen to some of the shit that comes out of Nashville now, and I think that uh, just about anybody could do it. Yeah. Um. Who do you look at now as like musical influences? Like who do you? Uh, who, I mean, straight up. Who my do two, you just jam out to? My two favorite artists by far, and and specifically. Um, because I I started listening to country music in the nineties. I didn't yeah. I didn't start listening so to country good. music when that's when Garth Brooks was yep. in. I mean, like just killing it. He came to Arrowhead Stadium and sold it out ten times in Kansas City. Jeez, ten times. I mean, in a matter of an hour, he had sold it. He he just said, you know what, we're gonna do this do this this stadium tour, and he he books he books Arrowhead Stadium it sells out and he said well we're just going to keep do selling tickets do until it doesn't one. sell out yeah we're just going to keep selling tickets until it does. it's sold out 10 times and in, in, in a matter of an hour could you imagine but anyway for me I really enjoyed the performance aspect of it I really enjoyed the way he connected connects with crowds I really enjoyed um, how engaging he is and Everybody and you know will say he's he what he's not the best he's not a Vince Gill vocalist he's no. not a and but and neither am I I'm not right. even close right. to to a, a skilled you know Vince Gill vocalist level level of an artist but I love to perform and I think that he he was able to take that performance to a completely different level and I would say that like I mean you you said the Garth Brooks thing yeah. that that was just a yep. had. This isn't coming from that you saying that. I, I really admire him as as a performer, but also as a a people person. He treats people the right way. Bingo. And he he's genuine about it, and he stops and 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 makes sure that people know that they matter. Um, and he also as as a businessman. I mean, I'm a small business owner. Weaver Country is an LLC, and and I'm a small business owner. And his, him his business side was well known when he he signed on with Capitol Records and how he started conducting business and he had have, his fingers on everything yep. that that he was involved in yep and nothing kind of got and that's admirable that's yep. i mean that's extremely admirable my other favorite is Travis Tritt and oh, uh, yeah. i love Travis Tritt any I, I did uh, the volunteer jam with Charlie Daniels at Bridgestone not this past year but the year before that and Travis Tritt and Chris Stapleton are sitting on stage with each other. And I know that, I mean, I love Chris Stapleton's voice. I love his songs. I love his songwriting. I'm going to tell you right now, you could not tell the difference between really? the two of them. 
they sing, they sound like they could be live the same person. You know, I was going to say there's there's two types of people in music, and there's people like Garth Brooks, like Chris Ledoux, that mm. get the showmanship aspect of it. And then there's guys like George Strait, you know, who stand there and just stands there and plays guitar. Guys well, like Chris when Stapleton you're, when you're the that king, just sing. You can do it. That's right. And I, I'm curious... I wonder how many stadiums he could sell out in a row if he ever decided to just yeah, let's go do Arrowhead Stadium Cut and see loose. what happens. Yeah, I mean he did he did AT and T Stadium mm. and packed that place out. Mm. He's I've never seen him, never seen him live. Um, I I really enjoyed listening to his perform or listening mm-hmm. to his songs. I mean he is kind of a kind of a standstill guitar yeah. player kind of thing, and, and really his his the big part of his show is his voice and, yeah. and, and his guitar. He's a phenomenal guitar player as well. But Richest um, ag teacher ever. Yeah, but I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a true story. But, it's, uh, but getting to listen to him on stage and see what he does and, and how he can just kind of stand there and captivate an audience, I mean, that's, that's I mean, admirable, admirable in itself. Now, here's the thing, though. Travis Tritt is that and a performer. Mm-hmm. So you get Travis Tritt at that vocal level, and then you've got someone who can also really, really perform. Right. Um, that, I mean, I watched the first time I ever saw him in concert was in Dothan, Alabama, um, at the Dothan Civic Center, and he got up there and played three hours of his quote-unquote greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being able to do a three-hour show of greatest hits? <laughs> in three hours, he yeah. just... and. The the last hour he sat there with an acoustic guitar and just uh, blew everybody awesome. away, man. I mean, just he's got sweat. I mean, he's drenched in sweat and he's just killing it, man. I mean, but uh, and 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 I got to meet him at the volunteer gym and he was super super nice. I mean, just See, really nice guys like that. And I'll go back to Garth mm-hmm. because you mentioned Garth will make everybody feel special. Mm-hmm. Um. I said it. I said at lunch one day, and Garth was there with his three daughters at the time. Me and my mom had been Christmas shopping, and she can back this story up. But it was incredible to see the way that he treated everybody. Mm. Everybody that would walk over to his table, he would stand up and he would give them his attention. He would look to check on his daughters and make sure that they were okay, make sure they didn't need anything. But he made that person feel like it was important to him to sit there and and visit. Yeah. And truth be told, an hour later, he wouldn't remember that person in a lineup. But that person will never forget that. And I think oh, that's, that's important. Hulk Hogan does the same thing. Like, he doesn't know me from Adam. But every time I run into him at this little spot here, he treats me like we've been longtime friends. Right. Like, it's incredible. And uh, it's amazing to me how people of that magnitude, of that notoriety, of that quote-unquote stardom, Understand the important in relationships. Oh yeah, and other people don't like. We yeah, we, everything's built on relationships. Oh man. yeah, yep, absolutely. We were talking about that earlier today. I mean, it was a, it's it's one of those things that you and I see eye to eye on clearly, and we understand that what we do in the entertainment yeah. business, and not just the entertainment business, but but getting to know folks in in the Western culture and the PBR world and all that, um, how important creating genuine relationships are i mean for goodness sake matt you and i met at the world finals i think is when we met the first time yeah. in yeah. 2017 and 
we got to hang out several times and do some do some cool stuff with the Went PPR. Went to some random gyms around Went to the some world. random gyms around the world. And, and uh, well, that was in uh, Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. Was, yep. But, uh, it, you know, we've established a relationship where you felt cool. I mean, you're like, hey, man, you're going to Clearwater? Let's hang yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in my stomping grounds. But, I mean, that. but that's the kind of stuff that's invaluable. Yeah. You create those relationships with people and they matter. And you treat each other like you matter. Because, I mean, the bottom line, I don't know if you saw, not to get off on some, the girl who uh, held the land speed record, um, she, and she did like a, she had a rocket car that, but she was trying to beat her land speed record yesterday and, and, and died in, in a crash. And there, and anyway, everyone that posted about her talked about how kind she was to people. Really? I mean, how, how she treated people. Are you looking it up? I'm trying. Yeah. She's, uh, I'm, I'm I can actually, I, I got a guy on Instagram that Jesse Combs. Yep. Mythbusters. Yep. She was a star on Mythbusters, but she was the fastest woman on four wheels. Wow. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, yeah, she, but every post talked about how she treated people and, and how she cared about people. And, and you know, the she was one of the most famous uh, you know, speedster racer racing women in the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, and she treated every single person and uh, you see the posts on her. It's like it, that uh, you hear that it's, a, it's important. It really is. The a lot older of people I get, the more I realize like it's the most important. Oh yeah. It is. And, and I used to be of the mindset, I don't give a shit what people think about me, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. The older I get, the more untrue that is. Like oh. I care what people think about me. Well, you, I mean, there, to a certain extent, I think you and I are, are both uh, smart enough to know that not everybody's going to like you. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but rarely does anybody like me. Right, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I, but I would say that that the, um, you know, the 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 people I, I posted this on Instagram. If you the folks are listening, go to my Instagram at Ryan Weaver Country. But you're going to see there's something in there um, that one of the posts that I said. You know, there's a world full of people that are going to make you feel um, as if you're not important or that you don't matter. Uh, focus on the ones that care about who you are and care about what you're doing, uh, and you'll find a lot of you know, positivity in that. And great things can happen from those kind of relationships that you establish. I think that so many, so many of us look past that, um, and you don't realize how important it is until it gets you get to the, the point where you've seen how those relationships can be a great thing. Anyway, I try, I try, you know, you said look for the positivity. I try so hard to look for the, the plus side of everything. Mm. You know I mean? If there's, if there's nine assholes, I'll try to gravitate to the one person that I can get along with. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's why you're hanging out with me. Let's be honest. There's going to be (laughs) 900 assholes and I'm going to try to find that one guy that I can get along with. But, fortunate in this business and listening to your story. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got to hang out with a little kid named Truman, four years old. And, uh, you know, Truman, I met Truman at the uh, MD Anderson down in Houston mm-hmm. and just hanging out with that kid reminded me of how good my life is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've, I've been saying this every week lately. Like I've never had a bad day, man. Like I've never had a bad day mm-hmm. compared to what a lot of people go through. Right. You know, like my life has been pretty good. Like we're fortunate as, as cliche as it sounds, we're, we're pretty blessed. If you're listening to this right now, you're pretty blessed. And and we all have trials, tribulations, life's a roller coaster, but 
man, life's pretty good. I mean, dude, there. I'll be the first to admit that not every day in my life has obviously been peaches and cream. And, Absolutely, and n- nobody is gonna can can look at their their lives and say that every day um, that they haven't had to overcome some Absolutely. obstacles and that kind of thing. And but I, I just think that perspective, like you, the perspective you you just mentioned it's it's extremely important um somebody asked me what i've what i how i define success or what i felt success was and getting to do what you love mm-hmm. and loving the life that you have when you get to do what you love um that's what i would consider success i had some guys on this podcast here several episodes ago and and that was one of the main topics was what do you consider success mm-hmm. like I'll be honest. I woke up this morning and I got my feet all the way to the ground. Like that was success number one. I woke up I, above the dirt. Right? That's right, man. I woke up with a like. I had something to smile about. Mm-hmm. You know how many people like don't find that when I start my day with something to smile about. Like, damn, it's a good day, man. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I, one of the folks, uh, one of the interviews that I did a couple weeks ago. I remember it because it, they were saying like. Okay, so you're you've got this, 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 and this going on right now, and you're touring with the PBR, and you're this, and you got that. So how how do you find the the motivation to be able to drive as hard as you do with all the things that you've got going on? How does it not burn you out? And and I say, you know, I wake up every single morning trying to figure out what I need to do to move that my success story forward mm-hmm. every single morning I wake up that way and every single night when I'm going to bed because I don't sleep very well as it is I, I stare at the ceiling yeah wondering what I should have done and what I'm going to do for tomorrow to, to what 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 did I miss out on how self accountability yeah how, how can I look at realistically look at what I did today and could how could I move it forward even better tomorrow and then you're really self-critical huh Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that anyone who who has found any any level of success is not. I mean, you have to be self critical. Same. And, but I think people ha- obviously handle it different because I know a lot of the people I work with, they'll go back and watch the shows or they'll listen to things that they do. I can't stand listening. I to can't either, man. Saying, like if if I go back and listen to any of these podcasts, it, podcasts. I think I just had a stroke on this episode. Um, but if I go back and listen to any of the things that I've done, um, I'll get so critical that I'll quit and I'll never do it again. Like I, I just I I cringe. Yeah, I can't stand listening to myself singing live performance songs. I I I, I don't know why. I I mean I like. Let me tell you what the one thing that I That's really, crazy. really it's can't crazy stand. to sit here and hear a musician and like hear a singer say Taylor Swift said the same thing. Like really? she could, she did not like going watching her shows. Yeah, and, but have you heard the political stuff she said lately? I don't give a shit what she said. Well, the only <laughs> reason I say the only reason I say that is because you have an artist that yeah. is at super her level successful. that super is super successful. successful. She's found and I don't care whether people like her music or not, whatever it is, the dreams that every artist has, she she holds them in her fingers every single day when you're starting off. And, you know, I'm personally, you know, and I might hurt a lot of people's feelings on this. I'm personally not a big fan of her music. Right. But I am a, I, I am a fan of her being able to look at her own shows and say, you know, I just, 
uh, it bothers me. One of the things that for me is the absolute worst for me to listen to is me singing the national anthem. Really? Oh my goodness. I can. I mean, you have to focus. It's the hardest song to sing. Yep. You have Every to, singer says you, that. Oh, you have to focus so much on because they're the notes are the notes and the words are the words. And if I'm doing one of my songs, if I'm singing, change I, it. I could change, I could do it, yeah. but the words are the words and the notes are the notes. And you can throw all that extra f- flowery stuff in there and try and make it sound what it, more than what, you know, going up and yeah. down and doing all, you can do all that stuff if you want to. I'm not capable. Right. I, 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 I can sing the notes and I can sing the song. But that's what I want. I want somebody to just get up there and sing a song the way it was supposed yeah. to be saying. But, song, but saying, when I listen whatever. to it, man. Stroke number two. <laughs> but if I listen to it, brother, it, it's, it's, I'm I'm listening to every single note, yeah. and I'm listening. Bec- I mean, I've only messed up the words to the national anthem once, and it was be- it was actually in Kansas City at Sprint Center. You really? Hear that story. So my daughter has the last time that she saw me perform was two years prior to Kansas City Sprint Center on two flatbed two flatbed trucks in the middle of a Kansas cornfield next to a demolition derby and a car wash. <laughs> That's crazy. The next time she sees me perform is in Sprint Center. And she had not seen the Never Forgotten tribute video, so Wait, she's a production. Really? She's a production right at the announce, right right behind Mark there, in, in the announcers there, and she's she's standing there, and you know how I had to face the shoots. Uh, I don't know, you know how much ever you got to watch the show, but I faced the shoots where they were going to honor the local hero. And I had to turn my. So basically, in- basically to kind of set the stage for everybody, there's a big screen at one end of the arena, and the fans are almost like a horseshoe from the sides of the screen to the right. opposite end. So you stand facing the screen essentially with your back to a lot of the crowd. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind pretty of. much back to productions behind right. me where you hear the announcers talking right. from, screening the shoots or sitting right in front. Yep. You got the middle the middle alley that uh, usually the hero through. would walk yep. out of and also the bull riders come out of. But anyway, when they played the Never Forgotten Tribute video, I can't listen to that. I can't watch the video. I mm-hmm. can't listen to it without losing it. I mean, right. I, I cry every time um, when my niece comes up there with you know with the picture of my niece at the end and, mm-hmm. and Aaron's headstone. But I, so I have my in ear monitors that are sound isolating, right? And I turn them off, and I'm singing the first verse of the national anthem because they're playing the song, and I don't want to start on the wrong note. So you're basically practicing. I'm, I'm practicing it, looking at the ground, gotcha. so I don't hear the music, so I don't hear the video, and trying all trying to block stuff. everything, trying else to block out. it all out because the national anthem singing. Well, anyway, so everything that I don't want to do because of that song in the video, I turn around and my daughter is bawling. Oh man! And I lost it. Yeah. So I, I, I mean. And instantly, I had tears running down my face, snot coming out of my nose, and the pipes and drums come out. They pull the big flag out, and I'm bawling, dude. And then I got to sing the national anthem, bawling. Yeah. So I'm so uh, I'm super hypercritical of my vocals. So I'm focusing because I can't sing because I'm crying. I'm focusing on trying to get the notes right so much that I sang the first ver- or the second half of the first verse as the second half of the second verse too. And I didn't oh, realize so it. So you doubled it up. I mean, I sang, I, I started off the verse right, but right. I, somehow, right. and the thing is, I didn't even realize I did it until I, I watched back, watched it back. 
Really? And then somebody commented on Facebook that I need to learn the words to the national anthem. Oh, because those guys are really because awesome. They will, they will get out those there. chicken and, shits <laughs> that get out there and just start right. talking smack. But, I mean, it, it, it was... You know how much that song means to me. You know how, yeah. and and it's extremely important every time that I sing it. It's it, I'm it's uh, stressful. Right. Um, I love it, um, but that's the only time. And the five hundred times I've sang the national anthem at every level. I mean, I've sang at Major League Baseball. Obviously, the I mean for Trump Junior. I mean in in Madison Square Garden. AT&T Stadium. I mean, those just the biggest. Like I said, and you know, we we went to every arena, but. To sing to sing it with my daughter there, losing, I mean, seeing what her dad has been doing. I, I don't oh, know how you watch. Like I, I don't know how anybody can get through that video, anyways. Oh, and, it's and, tough. And without even knowing, you know, the full story, just watching the video. Um, and I'm sure that video is out there on YouTube. It is. Everywhere. Yeah, you can just search Ryan Weaver, Never Forgotten on YouTube. And if 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 you're listening to this right now, and you've never seen the Never Forgotten video. Go to YouTube right now. And search Ryan Weaver, Never Forgotten, and I dare you to watch that and not tear up. And if you don't tear up, then kiss my ass, all right? <laughs> because we can't it's be tough, friends. man. It's I mean, to to co-write the song, um, believe it or not, I actually co-wrote that song with Taylor Swift's drummer, Matt Billingsley. Really? Yep. Um, but to co-write the song um, to it and, and find, to be able to find the words to... to really solidify the message um that was a huge accomplishment for me because i'd already written a song called what you think of me for aaron specifically and then to make something more general i had not written something that was an honor video or honor song like that uh speaking of songs that you've done you had a song in a movie well, we had the movie in the video. We we actually submitted it for thirteen hours. Secret okay, Soldiers of Benghazi. Yeah, burn. Okay. Yeah. So we had the music video, and we actually have two of the survivors from Benghazi are in the music video. All law enforcement, first responder, military, and military family cast. But Paramount gave us authorization to use the trailer clips from Thirteen Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi in that music video as well. And uh, if anybody ever, if anybody listening goes out and watches the video, you we shot that whole thing in one day. And then in four different locations in one day. So, and a couple of really cool things came out of it. There's a jet at the end of it that is the kind of jet they act, the the kind of jet they flew out of uh, Syria and or excuse me Benghazi and out of that area. They flew out of there in that jet, and it happened to fly in the day before into the airport uh, for us to be able to use it. Really? And it was just a, a pure coincidence. Who'd you say you had in the video? So Chris Peranto, yeah, who was yep. Tonto, yep, absolutely. and then you got John Tigan, who has never has heard of. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Oh, he's great. I love him. Yeah, but he's in there. Um, and uh, like I said, we have. I mean, I've got. We've got shooters. We got um, Tawny Lynn, who was the only, the first female full survivor of um, what's it, uh, Naked and Afraid. She was there for the whole month by herself. Her partner quit in like the first week. Yeah, she's the first female to do it. I've on I've never Naked seen that show. Yeah, I mean, she was. She's a shooter. She's a like survivalist. I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen it on, you know. But I always get real awkward, and I have to flip the channel. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird to me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't. Uh, I heard about her when I went to Shot Show out in yeah. Vegas and got to uh, got to meet her. And I've never been. I'm so jealous. I'm gonna tell you, dude. Right you got now. to hang with the Undertaker this year at Shot Show. Yeah, yeah that's that, nuts. Yeah, he was. He was so much bigger than me. <laughs> so much bigger than me. Like I could swing eye level and hit that guy in the ding dong. 
<laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, I saw the picture of you and the Hulk, dude. Yeah, that doesn't even come close. Like he, I mean, he put his hand down at his waist and put it on the top of my shoulder. It's nuts, man. It's oh, massive. I mean, his hands. He he could put his fingers and his thumbs together around my skull. You know what's funny is oh my is gosh. so Hogan trained shoulders today, and right before we were taking the picture, I look over and he's doing like tricep kickbacks. And I was like, you haven't done one tricep exercise at all today. Not one. And then I look at the picture and I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Your arms are massive. He's a massive And like man. I'm trying to get my best flex I mean, in. Dude, but like, you're like he's a twice beast. my size. It, probably, I mean, twice my size. Your arms are. And, and I was looking at this. Size. <laughs> dude, he's 66 years old. Massive. He's been yeah. through everything that he's been oh, through. Yeah. The Dude Bro- broken is broken. God knows how many bones. So I think he's had like eight back surgeries or something like that. He's 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 he told me once when I was out here, and and this is gonna sound like I'm really good friends with him. No, it's been completely coincidental. A couple of times where we've been in the same place at the same time, we've got some mutual friends. But he said one time he was like three or four inches shorter now than he was like when he was running pretty hot and heavy because of all the back surgeries and all the leg drops and everything. Can you imagine being? You know, like four inches shorter than you were several years ago. And he's Matt. He's he's, he's like you're. I yeah, think the top huge. of your head was it under at his chin. Yeah, he's. I think I think he out angled me. I think is what he did. I think he just got a better angle than me. <laughs> no, dude, he's it's he's such an inspiration. Like to be sixty six and working as hard as he does. Oh yeah, and he's 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 got that thing yeah. we were talking about, like the Garth thing, oh, where yeah. you know it just. So cool. I could sit here and talk all day about it. Like in one week, I've got to hang with Hillbilly Jim and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Jeez. Hillbilly Jim was mad. Hillbilly Jim was freaking awesome. What a cool guy, right? Oh, man. Super nice guy. What a cool guy. Yeah. He he told me he wants to bring me on his outlaw show. And yeah. I got to send him the music. He needs it too. Like that guy's genuine. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I got his producer's information. Hopefully, don't go messing with country boy. (laughs) Sorry. I grew up on wrestling, man. Um, You've had a, dude. You've had a such a awesome run. Like it, it's great. Like what else? Like what do you want to do next? Is there is there a place you want to play? Is there, you know, obviously everybody wants platinum records. Everybody wants millions of dollars. You know, I say that everybody, most people, those are the kind of things they want. They want to be recognized everywhere they go. Those kind of things. But like, is there a place? Like, is there a bucket list place that you're like, man, I got to do this or I got to do that. Really? In oh, Colorado? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that 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 one in um the what's it called the Watershed Festival? Oh yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this: this is something a lot of folks don't know. So I've never I've never gone to a show on a tour bus. I've never I've ridden on a tour bus before, but it was for uh, Christmas for kids. You go ahead. And uh, hold on, we got somebody at dough. Um, but it's a Christmas for kids uh thing and uh. Got in the tour bus and we were touring around and you know just uh, for you know kids to come on board and do you want to edit this out? No, absolutely. Trying to <laughs> trying to make an award winning podcast and it it is it is nine o'clock at night. Is that your turn down service? And they're I I don't they're trying to clean my room I guess turn at nine o'clock at for night. What? Like that's weird. <laughs> Overdoing so, it here, Opal Sands. Overdoing yes, it. Yes. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I uh, the one thing that I've never 
gotten to do is the the tour like i've never just gone, get on the road and go well yeah i mean get on a tour bus and go do you know open for say jason aldean for eight shows or something like that or whatever and um quite honestly though i mean we, we've been tr- i've been trying to make this work and i don't you know i would love to be able to make it work but i'd love to do a military installation tour um uh, across the u.s uh get out there to the to large installations and be able to you know play for my brothers and sisters in arms or do a european installation tour not really interested in going back to iraq or afghanistan uh, you know i'm not really interested in doing that quite honestly i know what a benefit is to our our my brothers and sisters in arms out there but um with my family history i, I would yeah i'd like to kind of stay away from that yeah but um i say that jokingly but uh, i think that my brothers would laugh at me for it but um but the, uh, you know, I mean, that, that I think would be an awesome, uh, awesome, awesome thing to get to do. I mean, I get to, you know, we're, this Australia thing may take place. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Obviously that's a bucket list trip yeah. to go on, but to be able to, I've Australia's heard nothing but beautiful. amazing it's things so about Australians there, too. You know, they love Americans. They, you know, there's a great partnership in the, in the country. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I'd love to be able to get out and do the, do a tour, man. I mean, road. well, when you got the poster for you know, 30 dates that you did and whether I'm opening up for, I mean, I'm, I'm not at the level where I can headline big tours like that, but I mean, to be one of the opening acts for it and do the rock and roll thing for, you know, for a month or two or three or four or whatever it is yeah. and get out there and do those dates. I would love to do that. I mean, that, and, and it's, here's the crazy thing, you know, we're talking about all this. I don't, I mean, as an independent artist, um, to be able to already say, that I've performed at all these venues and done all this stuff with no record deal or song on the radio. Just or anything. thinking about that, you know how many people have spent like the last half of their lives on a tour bus, just grinding away at every small club, wishing they could play Madison Square Garden or AT and T State, like that's it's just, or Golden One Center in Sacramento or Sprint yeah. Center. I mean, the Chesapeake Arena. I mean, you name it. Every every major arena across. I mean, to play at the Tacoma Dome was cool. It was different, um, but. Mm-hmm to get in there and be able to do all those shows and, and, uh, yeah, this uh, Nashville, everybody thinks Nashville's in this box. Yeah. Like you have to do it this certain way. And I'm, I'm proof positive that that is completely not. So true. speaking of being in a box, everybody, you know, we talked about it. Everybody kind of looks at you as like the patriotic guy, the military right. guy, but there's so much more to you. Like that's, that's, that's just a small piece of what you get. If I show up to watch Ryan Weaver. Yeah, I mean, we we just did a two hour show in Nash House in Nashville, and I'm going to be playing in Orlando uh, September 13th as well. But you know, a, a two hour concert, I I have four songs in the set total that have anything to do with the patriotic side of things because the show's a, a rock rock and country. I'd say rock and country, but uh, I grew up listening to 80s rock. That's why I was a good fit at an '80s rock show when Sean met me, mm-hmm. and because the 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 music is, you know, Brantley Gilbert slamming Eric Church harder stuff, you know, and his show, and um, you know, you're gonna get two hours of pure energy, but also um, some genuine connection songs and some, you know, s- stories behind the songs. I like to treat it kind of almost as if it's a quasi writer's round thing and mm-hmm. talking about how the songs were written and where they were written, kind of a thing, because. I think that the audience enjoys that genuine connection. If you could, if you could do a show with with anybody, like anybody, who would it be? Garth Brooks. I think so. Absolutely. I, I mean, cool. without I, without question, to be able to. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. George Strait would be an epic right. moment. 
I just think that my show would fit better with the Garth Brooks performance than George Strait. George Strait is a, is a god in country music as far as I'm concerned. Massive amounts of respect for what he's been able to accomplish and the number of people that you know have nothing but good things to say about him. But for me, you know, Garth Brooks uh, show or an, an opening for him or even, you know, I'd love to do it, Garth, if you happen to listen to this. Yeah, I think Garth listens to my podcast. Yeah, I think he does, sure he does, too. Yeah, he, he does comment on it regularly. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think yeah. yeah. All, <laughs> in all the things. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, no, I would love, that he would definitely be an amazing opportunity to do. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, wrapping up here, you've got, you've got so much going on. You've got to deal with Hot Works. Mm-hmm. You've got nine line apparel, your signature t-shirts, you've mm-hmm. got your boots, dude, you've got your hands in so much. Yep. Kind of, kind of box it up for everybody. Tell us all what you got so outside of the music. Outside I mean, of the music, um, crazy. essentially as a partner brand, I have uh, six designs with nine line apparel. So if you go to nine if you look at all the videos and stuff where I'm wearing a patriotic shirts, so those are actually my designs, the Ryan Weaver by nine line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go get my shirts there. Lane boots. One um, of the shirts is the, the red. It is Remember the red. Remember, I went deployed yep. shirt. We got um, that one in red and black. And then the wood etch flag is actually really doing well. It has a flag across the front. Um, that was doing really well. But the um, the lane boots are in 18 stores across the nation right now. They just got picked up by three Rus- Russell's Western Wear stores here in Florida, which I'm excited about. Oh, cool. Um, Nordstrom Online just picked them up for their. Wait, they were, what? Yeah, Nordstrom Online has them. Uh, uh, Boot Barn Online has them now in their warehouse. They were doing drop shipping and they were so, so successful on Boot Barn Online that the Boot Barn ordered them for their warehouse. So they're doing really well. Um, those are in stone washed and black, men's and women's. And there's also some accessories that match them. So if you ladies out there oh, want cool. a purse to go with it. And then uh, we just signed a, a partnership with Liberty Home Concealment. So we have home concealment flags for your home protection plan. Saw that. Lockable home concealment uh, devices. Their flags, uh, there are three of them that are specific to me, and they're also going to be doing other furniture pieces like end tables and coffee tables. And that's and that basically kind of like an artistic piece that has a concealment Yeah, spot. it's a wood flag. has concealed. You, you can, it looks like a wooden flag. It doesn't look like it. But would uh, be way cooler than some of the places I hide my guns. Right. I hide a lot of Right, them. right. And then, I mean, you could put, they, they have all different configurations. So you can go to Liberty Home Concealment to get those. And um, we got some partnerships that are coming up. I can't announce yet, but uh, we have some more stuff that's going to be going. So everything that we, when we partner up on something, it goes on weavercountry.com, my website. Uh, my music's all there. My music videos are all there. Uh, so check it all out. We need to get a Ryan Weaver signature firearm. Man. Tig's got one. Yeah. You're way cooler than he is. <laughs> I, well, I he's a to shooter, get that too. Yeah. He's yeah, a shooter, he too. So, Dude, I mean, he's I, such a badass. Oh, man. Such a cool guy. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have my own firearm, but the, the um, I, one thing that I can say about the the products that I have, I, I use them all. Yeah. And I use my own firearms, obviously. Right. But I'm not a like a professional shooter kind of thing, and, and that's really the ones, the influencers that the uh, arms companies are looking for. I mean, would I, would I want to get in with a Mossberg or something like that for... Yeah. And we do have a hunting show that's coming up in 2020. What? Really? Yep. I'm going to be on a hunting show called The Ultimate Hunt, and uh, they're actually going to use, they've told me, 
my music video burn they're going to cool. take paramount won't on the licensing side of it they're going to replace that with combat footage and so it will be the intro to 52 weeks 26 original episodes oh, five days cool. a week running the burn will be playing on uh the pursuit channel on the ultimate hunt and i'm going to be on a couple episodes hunting on one of them and then quasi hosting with john tygan and yeah. potentially my brother as well so that's awesome man. yeah that's lots so of stuff, cool man. a lot of stuff going on yep, yep. all positive all good right all right social media so Ryan Weaver, Ryan Weaver Country is going to be my Facebook page. Ryan Weaver Country is my Instagram. And those are the two that I primarily go on. But if you want the rest of everything, just go to weavercountry.com. All That's of my simple. socials right there on top. So weavercountry.com. That's simple. Weavercountry.com. Dude, I, I appreciate you doing this. It's been fun. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Last too. but certainly not least. Yeah. My newest single that's out right now is called Time Like This. We debuted it in Tulsa. Um, please go out and uh, comment on it. Put it on your Spotify playlist, all that, because it matters. Where'd that song come from? Uh, I actually wrote it, co-wrote it with four other guys, but um, it's we, we did it specifically because of the way the PBR uses music yeah. in the arena. So it's, it's kind of that arena slamming motivational positive message thing. and that's what i was getting at is because it has a feel like uh, the beginning of a sports event like i mean like it's kind of got that whole like let's jive it up and let's you know let's do some shit yeah kind of feel to it absolutely man cool all right appreciate it bro dude thanks for having me we'll man. do it again right on see you